A job well done, General Skywalker. Perhaps I can inform the Chancellor of your valor. I'm not sure what to think of your new ally. I think we need people like him. If we aren't willing to do what it takes to win, we risk losing everything we try to protect. Welcome to the Star Wars Brothers Podcast. I'm Cliff Boyd and I'm here with Drew Shepard. Hello! <laughs> John is not with us today. Uh, he's got some stuff going on with his, his moving that he announced last week and there's some other things that are going on. I don't know, I, I told him we were we were going to go ahead and record so uh, it's possible he'll pop in here in just a minute but I don't think he will. Um, he's He's pretty busy tonight but rather than trying to push the recording forward we decided we were just going to go ahead with it. All right, so we have some exciting episodes to talk about this week, I think. But before we do, Drew, what's new? But before we do, yes. So my birthday is coming up tomorrow. By the way, we, we started recording and stopped recording right in the middle of Drew's story. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna, it, it's going to be an so, abridged story. Uh, right so. at the beginning of Drew's story. So, Okay. All right, here we go. So birthday tomorrow and uh-huh. for my birthday. Happy birthday. I, Thank you. Thank you. Um, my mother sent me a text. Actually, she tried to go through my wife first and said, hey, what does he want for his birthday? But as I've mentioned on here, and as a lot of people know, we're still doing a remodel. It's like 96% done. It's practically all done. But there's still a few things yeah. that we want to get done. And so I said, just get me a Lowe's gift card or a Home Depot gift card or whatever. Well, my wife told my mother that. Okay. She's like, no, that's, we're not doing that. Um, so she texts me and says, what do you want? What video game or book or movie or what do you really want? And I was like, well, how about a best buy gift card? She's like, no, we're not doing best buy gift card. Like, like, okay. (laughs) Um, I want something fun for you. So I look through my gaming list and I'm like, I have the top three games that I'm playing right now already. So like, what's my fourth one next in line? Fourth in line is what I got from her Jedi Fallen Order. I'm going to guess. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Well, you sort of you sort of mentioned it. You said I have a story about Jedi Fallen Order the other day. So Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I was trying, you know, to be a good son. Like, just give me a gift card. She's like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Hopefully she doesn't buy it for you on the ep- Xbox. No. She's already gave it to me. She went to Walmart. Oh, and she okay, took a good, picture good. and was like, is this the one you want? I'm like, yep, that's the one. Right. Yeah, always a risk getting other people to buy your video games for you because they might get it, uh, they might get it wrong. Yes. But that's awesome. Um, so what are your other three games? You're playing Uncharted 4, right? Uncharted 4, Octopath Traveler, and then... What, Persona 5 Royal, maybe? I haven't even touched Persona 5 Royal yet. I'm doing... Oh, okay. Those two okay. first. Um, Got it. So, but you said three. Is is Persona Five the third? Yeah, that's the one that's before um, Jedi Fallen Order. But I mean, are that's... you going to replay? Are you going to play through Royal before you play Jedi Fallen Order? I don't know. I really don't know because <laughs> that's a big game. Uh, now let's let's talk about something here because this is kind of cool. Uh, this makes me really happy because. Let's see. You said Uncharted 4, Octopath Traveler, and Persona 5. Do you know what those three games have in common? Mm, No, what? 
They are all three games that I have recommended you play that were not <laughs> on your radar <laughs> until I recommended them to you. This In is fact, true. It's funny because I have not played Persona 5. And yet after you played it, this is, by the way, this is a replay, right? This isn't your first time. This isn't your first rodeo. You've already played Persona 5. Yes, not you, Royal, but five, You've already yes. put 120 hours into it or whatever it is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you loved it so much. What, didn't you tell me at one point that's your favorite game now? It's up there. I mean, with final, my Final Fantasy likes, it's up there. It awesome. is one or two. Yeah, I would have a hard okay. time picking, but one or two. Okay. So what is, what's the Final Fantasy that's up there? Is it, is it uh, it's not eight. It's probably ten. Ten. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I think you've said that before. Um, I'm sure you have actually. Uh, you know, nine is mine. Yeah, nine's my favorite game of all time. But that's cool. That's cool. And you've started Uncharted four, but um, but sort of just barely scratched the surface of it, right? I really think you're going to enjoy uh, Uncharted. I'm 4. still you, in tutorial you that, of Uncharted four. <laughs> sure, right. You've played through that whole series up to four. Uh, yeah, and I uh, did that recently. You know, within probably the past year. Definitely mm-hmm. the past, definitely the past year, maybe the last six months, even. I think it's been that. Eh, it's been a little longer than that, actually. Yeah, it's been a little longer than that. But um, but that's super exciting. So Jedi Fallen Order, um, I that is also in my queue, and I don't know when I'm going to get to it. I'm playing through Assassin's Creed three right now, and uh, it hasn't gotten good yet. I've played through the series up to that point. Hmm. And I'm having to for, sort of force myself to keep playing through three. I don't. I'm doing the remastered version on PS4. Don't know. Uh, don't know where I'm gonna. Where I'm gonna get to? Okay, but that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we and, have. I'm sorry. We, we can talk about video games later on. No, it's okay. It's okay. Go ahead. And I don't think my, this is going to be a really long discussion about this arc because as as great as it was. Um, not a whole lot happens that, that warrants a ton of discussion, but, uh, okay. but go ahead. What were you saying? On my game list, yeah, there yeah, yeah. is one game that I was really hesitant to even put on it. And it's on there now. It's low, but okay. it's on there because it's okay. the only other switch. No, that's a lie. It's really Breath of, of the, the games on here. Yeah, that's it. It's Breath of yeah. the Wild. Yeah. That one should be very close to the top. Oh, um, they have announced a prequel to Breath of the Wild that's going to come out in November. This November? Yeah, this wow. November. They just announced it like yesterday or the day before or something. I don't know. It was this week. And, uh, and yeah, it's coming out in November. Um, I don't know when the sequel's coming out. Everybody's been kind of expecting it to come out this year, but I don't know if it will or not. But uh, I've told you before, Breath of the Wild is the best game I have ever played. Um, it is not my favorite, but it is... It is the best, at least on the first playthrough. I played it through a second time, actually. It wasn't as good the second time. Part of the, the exploration, the discovery is really what makes that game so great. A little bit light on story, actually. Um, but, it, but you sort of build your own story in it uh, organically as you play it. And it's mm-hmm. a ton of fun. Ton of ton of fun. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy it if you ever get to it. So and that's high praise. That's high praise from you. So best game I've ever played. Really is. Really is the best game I've ever played. And ironically, right now, I actually have one other Zelda slash Link game above it, but I don't even, I don't even, I've never even heard, I've heard of it, but that's all I know. Cadence of Hyrule looks so much fun. Oh yeah, you mentioned that That looks so much fun to me. Sure. Well, now you could try out the gameplay. I think Cadence of Hyrule is hard to find on sale. You could try out the gameplay with Crypt of the Necrodancer. 
I have not played it, but it's basically the same gameplay as Cadence of Hyrule. Um, Cadence of Hyrule is obviously an iteration on that with a, with a Zelda skin and, and music and all that. But, um, but, but Crypt of the Necrodancer, I think I got it on sale for like three bucks or two dollars or something like that. So if you keep an eye out, add it to your wish list and just go in and check every now and then, you might be able to find it on sale for really cheap and you could try out the gameplay before you jump in and, and spend 20. I don't know how much it is, 20 or 30 bucks or whatever for Cadence of Pyro. I will do that. I like those beat rhythm games a lot too, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. And that one's an interesting one because it's kind of like a dungeon crawler adventure top-down game mixed with a rhythm game. But it's cool. Well, uh, I got some peanut butter cookies tonight. We have been practicing um, cookies and coffee. We're making those for uh, something we have going on tomorrow, Drew. We're having a bunch of people from church over, and we're doing a deep dive Bible study into Colossians. Nice. So that's that's been what we've been prepping for tonight. Um, just tried Shauna's. She's been she's going to work on a peanut butter cookie recipe that she cooks every time we do that. And that uh, recipe's first attempt was tonight, and it was awesome. <laughs> something that Shauna learned about me. To, now we've been married for. 13 years, I think, 14 years, no, 13, 13, hang on. We, we got married in 2007. What does that make it? It's 13 years. Yeah, we've been married for 13 years. And um, she, I told her tonight that peanut butter cookies are my favorite cookies. And she said, how did I not know this about it? How, how have you never told me? <laughs> I've got the guilt about that. <laughs> it was somehow my fault to, to <laughs> that she didn't know what my favorite cookies were. I said, well, you've never asked me. Um, and she said, well, you've never asked me either. <laughs> so I was like, you know, you're right. I but then I got to thinking and I, and I know hers. hers are the white chocolate macadamia nut cookies from Subway. Oh, yeah. Those are good. Ask them to heat them up before they give them to you. And man, she can go to town on those things. So, um, but peanut butter cookies are my favorite. And this was an awesome, awesome recipe that she tried tonight. So. I've been drinking my coffee, um, caffeinated up. I've got my, my sugar going on, and I am ready to go. All so right. Let's talk. This Citadel trilogy, uh, I'll give, it, give, give a little plot summary for it as, as we go into our discussion of it. So we have a Jedi who I don't think we've ever met before named Master, I think they said Peel, spelled, I think, P-I-E-L-L, Master Peel, and... He is a captor in the Citadel and has some codes that reveal some space lanes. It seems to be kind of a common thing. It's like an easy thing they keep using over and over again, that there's these space lanes, that, that they're the secret space lanes that they're fighting over the intel for. And that's, what, that's what's happening here. Anyway, Master Peel has some information about these space lanes, and he has been captured and held prisoner in a place called the Citadel, which is apparently one of the highest security prisons in the galaxy that is specifically designed to keep Jedi captive. So Obi-Wan uh, and Anakin and Ahsoka, Ahsoka goes against orders, go along with Rex and Cody and Echo and Fives, several clones that we know, along with a bunch of others who are nameless and many of whom die. Um, they go into rescue, uh, rescue this Jedi. When they come to him, the code has actually been split. He has half of the code, and he has told his general the other half of the code, who turns out to be 
none other than Tarkin. Tarkin is his, his general who has half the code. <laughs> um, our listeners can't see what you did, Drew, but we're on a Zoom call and Drew has changed his background to a big picture of Tarkin with Darth Vader in the background. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So anyway, the this secret space lane code is going to be used if, if it's found out by the separatists. And this this prison is basically like a torture facility as well. They're going to torture the, these the Jedi. And when they find out that Tarkin's got the other half, they'll, they'll torture him to get it out of him too. Uh, they want this code because they're going to use, Dooku wants to use these space lanes as a way to launch a surprise attack on Coruscant and deal a very damaging blow to the Republic by attacking that main city and the hub of the Jedi Council. Anyway, uh, they go and rescue him. Uh, they end up splitting up to escape at the end of it, where um, uh, half of the folks who've gone in go with Tarkin and try to get him out. And then Obi-Wan and PL and Rex go off with a bunch of the clones to provide a distraction while they get Tarkin out of there. Okay, So Obi-Wan's team gets ambushed and captured when they get back to the ship. Um it's been deserted and they get captured, but then R2 leads some reprogrammed battle droids, which they used to actually sneak into the, to the facility at the beginning. Uh, he goes and frees them. And then Anakin's team, when they go to rendezvous uh, at that shuttle is also am ambushed. And at the end of it, they get reunited, but the ship is destroyed. And in the blast echo meets his end. So it's Echo and Fives. Echo and Fives is kind of interesting because we, you know, we'll talk about them, I'm sure, but we're we're pulling them out from the some of the other earlier episodes that we've seen. They've been they've been reappearing clones throughout this this series. But anyway, at the end of that second episode, they call for rescue. They call out to the Jedi Council to send a rescue attempt to to get everyone out. And and part of the reason for that is that this information really is critical. It's it's if the separatists got a hold of this information, it would be really, really damaging. And so they launch a very large assault on the Citadel that's supposedly an impenetrable, you know, very high defense location, has all of these Jedi who go and and try to, you know, launch this, this rescue. And so there's four Jedi, I think, that are in this flight. It's Plo Koon and... I don't remember all the other ones. I recognize some of them from the movies and, and I think there were at least two or three of them from the movies. And, and then Plo Koon, I guess, I think he's in the movies. I really don't know. But anyway, they all fly in on their ships and um, they come to the rescue. The Citadel commander then pursues the escaping team with, some space dogs. I don't know what they were. They were kind of like a, I think they called them Anubis. Isn't that an Egyptian thing? Anubis, yeah. is that like an Egyptian dog? Yeah. But these were, they were kind of cool looking. Anyway, he, he sends the Anubis after him and a bunch of uh, crab droids and battle droids and elite droids and, and different things. And anyway, in all of that, Master PL ends up dying. But as he dies, he tells Ahsoka his half of the code. And they eventually escape. But when they get to Coruscant, we get a twist because Ahsoka has been told by PL 
to not reveal the code to anyone other than the Jedi Council, whereas Master Tarkin says that he will reveal it to none other than Senator Palpatine, which is going to force the Jedi Council and Palpatine to have to come to an agreement on how to use this information, because without both sides of the code, neither one of them is going to know uh, about the shipping, the, the actual locations, I guess, and, and paths of these these secret space lanes. So what do you think, Drew? I liked it. Yeah. Really. More and more, I'm enjoying how the Clone Wars is incorporating references, characters, events from the movies. It It's a good rhythm. I like where they're going in this season with this. The storyline seems like the last two, maybe three arcs, they've done this. And it's fun. It's easy to get behind. It has a good rhythm. And I think most Star Wars fans who were fans of the movies can get behind and support these types of arcs. You know, season one, season two, there were some good ones, but then there were some that it didn't really seem like it fit anywhere in the franchise if you're just coming from the movies. But now with these characters, these uh, emerging characters, you know, that Tarkin... Uh, looking at him, you know, in his younger days, it's a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Cool. I found it funny. Uh, one of the new characters that we got introduced to was this Jedi PL. And did you catch what his accent was? No, what was it? It was Russian. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like you made several references to like a Russian. Uh, what didn't, didn't you say a, a, maybe a little Russian say a little Russian phrase at the beginning of, of the podcast. The last time we did one. I might have. Dos Dosvidanya. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just thought that was funny that we got this, uh, this Russian Jedi in here. Uh, what do you think about their, their use of dialects that are familiar for um, these random characters? I'm glad they use dialects. You know, it gives a uniqueness, a freshness, to different characters because, and it's, I guess something that we as humans can relate to of, Oh, you, you know, this is superficial. I'm saying that ahead. You look different. You talk differently. Therefore you are um, slightly different than me. We have different cultures. We have different backgrounds, whatever. And so, you know, in the star Wars universe, they have all these worlds. And so, there's definitely going to be that type of uniqueness to the different worlds. And I think as humans, that's really one of the distinguishing, easily distinguishable factors to denote uniqueness. Now, as far as having like German accents or Russian accents or, so, you know, cause we've seen a variety of accents. Oh yeah. It doesn't really bother me. I Scottish. You know, Scottish. Scottish yes. Yeah. Scottish <laughs> lemurs. <laughs> I mean, it's something to denote that they're unique from just your regular quote unquote people in the Citadel. So, I mean, it doesn't bother me, but, and then we don't know why. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then we do have the accents where they're not so much accents, just a foreign language that we can't even understand. Right. Like like Chewbacca. And there's a few other characters we've run into where it's had to be interpreted like, you know, droids and the huts are always like that. Right. Where they they speak and then they get, you get subtitles for them even in the original movies. Yeah. 
So I got to say, it's not my favorite. It's, I, I understand why they do it, but for, for some reason it bothers me in the star Wars universe. Now it doesn't bother me as much. I don't think in, in a lot of other universes, I was actually, I'm watching on YouTube. I'm watching a playthrough from a streamer. I really like of final fantasy nine right now. And I'm noticing as I go, I played final fantasy nine, like I, you know, half a dozen times, probably more than that, actually all the way through from beginning to end. And even in that game, in the text there, there's no voiced dialogue, but they, they incorporate in dialects to the actual text itself, which yeah. is really interesting. And, and I don't know, it doesn't bother me there, but for some reason in the Star Wars universe, when I get a Russian accent or the lemurs were the worst of it, maybe the lemurs, lemurs just really turned me <laughs> off. Yeah. It. it almost just feels like it doesn't belong. Like I'd almost rather them either not use accents at all or give me a foreign language with subtitles or, you know, not, not a real foreign language, a, a fake made up one, you know, with subtitles or um, even make up a dialect uh, would, would be okay. And I guess they do a little bit of that in Star Wars. So I'm like Jar Jar has his own. Yeah. <laughs> they sort of have their own dialect. I don't know. They, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's inspired by some English stuff too. And it, really it, it might just be, you know, a, a, an American dialect with goofiness thrown on. I don't know, but, uh, but, but I guess it's, it's a little weird to me when it's like, I can tell that guy's Russian, you know, yeah. <laughs> or these guys are Scottish. They're Germans, you know, right. just, I don't know. Something about that is, is strange to me. And I don't know why I'm not sure what the solution is or what the alternative to it is, but, but it, it just turns me off a little bit. So do you think the reason they go with that is because, I'm okay with subtitles, but I wonder how many people would get annoyed with subtitles. I really don't know. I'm just, I know, well, some friends in college, they wouldn't go see any foreign films with me because they're like, no, I'm not mm -hmm. sitting through two hours of subtitles. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if that was in consideration for like, well, we can have accents or we can do sub, you know, and I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Have they done any subtitles in the Clone Wars yet? Do you know? Other than remember any, no. Okay. Well, I actually watch clone wars with the subtitles on just because sometimes when they speak fast or, um, I don't know, maybe I don't catch the words as clearly as I would like to that way. I know exactly what they're saying. So I already watch it with subtitles on the bottom, but okay. I didn't know that. That's interesting. So you don't really notice if they have them or not because they're just always on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. It's a minor annoyance, and I don't really know what the alternative would be. It might be just fine. It just kind of feels like a cheap way to make a character have uniqueness. Um, And maybe that's what it is. It's just, it's a really, hey, we want to make this character a little bit different. Let's give him an an accent from some, you know, random country. So, and that makes him, that makes him different without having to create a language, right? Right. Uh, and the problem with a lot of think languages is like you kind of can tell that they're just spouting off words. Um, if you, the Knights of the Old Republic video game, it was like there was, I remember there was, there's a race of aliens in there where they basically say the same little phrases throughout the entire game, but the subtitles <laughs> are always totally different. It's just like after a while you pick up that like, they're just saying the same thing over and over. Again. Yeah. 
that word means that word or phrase means apparently a million different things. <laughs> I think I mean new ones in all different types of ways. Hmm. Um, it's it's a tough thing to do, you know. You, not everybody can be Tolkien and create like an entire language um, for different races. And and I guess Star Wars does some of that, but but that's maybe that's too much to ask. So I would rather them just not have accents uh, at all or, or let them happen a little bit more organically. Um, well, have some consistency there, but while I guess we're on they the, all do have an American accent if they don't have another accent that I recognize. So maybe that's right. not fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you would have the droids talking like Southern and then you would have the, um, I, I don't know, another race talking, talking like New Englanders. Or something. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> um, I don't know. But while we're on the topic of accents, I I really found this cool. Uh-huh. O.C. Sobek, who was the the warden at the city. Yeah, right, right. Did you um did you find his? Oh well, I'll say did you because clearly I did. But did you find his rhythm of speaking or pattern of speaking interesting? I don't remember it. I, I didn't take note of it. So. I started listening to him and immediately I'm thinking, this sounds familiar. Okay. By the second episode in the arc, I'm thinking, I, I know this voice, but I looked up the actor. I was like, no, this is just one of the regular actors they always use. I'm like, I, this is, okay. who is this? Why am I picking up on this? Uh-huh. And finally, I dug a little deeper online, found out he said that for this character, for O.C. Sobek, he was trying to channel a Christopher Walken style. Oh, so I was like, okay. that's it. That is it. Well, I was like, I'm picking okay. up on something. This that. is so unique, but I just, and I was like, that's it. Christopher Walken right there. Christopher Walken. I like Christopher Walken. I do too. <laughs> he's just, and then he I makes started me watching a little uncomfortable, their... but that's part of why I like him. You know? Yeah. Every time I see him, he makes me a little uncomfortable, but see him, hear him. Uh, but I think he's awesome. He's a great, great actor. Yeah. And I started watching the third episode. I was like, that's it. That's ex- exactly what he's doing right here. So That's super cool. Yeah, that's great. All right. So some of the references. So so let's talk about those. You mentioned those at the beginning. Some of the references to things familiar in the series. Obviously, Tarkin is right. a big one, right? Um. You know what? Before we move on from him, let's talk about Tarkin. How did you how did you like Tarkin's portrayal in this? He brought up interesting points as far as I guess alluring points to Anakin's point of view because mm-hmm. by the end of the arc, Anakin was more or less defending Tarkin's positions of Jedi's are peacekeepers. I'm in the business of winning a war. I'm not in the business of being a peacekeeper. I want to win a war. And a peacekeeper is not always going to be the best person to win at the end. To which Anakin was like, you're, you're right. I'm not going to disagree with you. Because there was a little tension at the beginning because um, Tarkin was saying, oh, I forget what his argument was. But Anakin's back to Tarkin was essentially, well, you need to be grateful that we got you out of here. Oh, he wasn't, uh, Tarkin was unfamiliar. He wasn't comfortable with Ahsoka leading. But then um, he's like, yeah, you know, Tarkin's like, well, she's too young to be leading. But Anakin was saying in reply, I think you should be grateful the fact that we got you out of here, dude. 
<laughs> yeah. And just seeing the, the connection from the first to the third episode in the arc. And one thing I found so cool, Cliff, was the way they just casually, very casually did the, oh, you know the Chancellor too. Mm. I mean, I, sure. and we don't, I don't know unless you, John, might know. I don't know the relationship at this point in time between Tarkin and the Chancellor. Yeah. But just the way he's like, oh, you know him as well. Like, you right. have a relate. And so I was like, I don't know. To me, that was one of the cool moments of the arc, uh, yeah. just where you can see that connection and how that ties into the movies in the future. As big of a role as Tarkin ends up playing in Palpatine's administration, as soon as we saw him here, I just kept waiting for like the reveal that he's he's already in on it, right? Because that that blue horned guy that we've talked about before, I don't mm-hmm. know his name, but uh, we've got an indication, very obvious indication, that he already knows that Palpatine is a bad dude that yes. has schemes in mind. Um, you know, we've seen behind the scenes conversations from them that make that apparent that he's in, he's in the loop. And I wonder if Tarkin's not already in the loop here that maybe Tarkin's already in league with the chancellor in a very, you know, upfront way. But, um, but I, I just loved Tarkin's portrayal here. You know, the, the appearance was great. He looked like a younger version of what he ends up being in the original trilogy. Uh, I really liked um, the attitude that he had. It just reminded me a lot of older Tarkin. And you can see how that version of him could develop into the Tarkin that we see. And the thing I liked the most about all of it was the tension between him and Anakin, because that tension is something that we see from Tarkin's very introduction in episode four, as Darth Vader ends up, uh, Anakin ends up having to serve underneath Tarkin and, and uh, just awesome. Just thought it was fantastic. His portrayal yeah. there uh, loved it and loved every second of it and loved how at the end of it, it's like you say, it developed to where they still didn't like each other. You could tell like, they're not going to be friends. They're not going to get along, but they kind of have a mutual respect to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way that they handle situations and the attitudes that they have toward them. So I thought that was really interesting. You could tell it made Obi-Wan uncomfortable. There were a couple moments where you saw Obi-Wan looking onto that. And you could tell Obi-Wan was just, just didn't like Tarkin. <laughs> right. And and was maybe even bothered by some of the interactions between Anakin and Tarkin. It seems like, I, I don't remember anything, anything specific, but I remember getting that impression that like, ooh, Obi-Wan doesn't like this. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I thought that was super cool. All right. The other reference. Oh, I was about to say, and the other reference really to the big one, I thought to the movies was yeah. carbon freezing. Oh yes. I was like, that's so good. That was so cool. And I love the way they implemented it because it was the way that they kept them from being detected. Yeah. It like kept them. Cause they, I guess it just would stop all of their life systems right their hearts stop beating they mm-hmm. are essentially frozen uh and in a you know state of stasis 
yeah. <laughs> or however you word, word it, to where they were able to fly in with a whole bunch of people. And yet when the droids scanned their ship, they weren't able to detect any life forms. And using carbon freezing for that was super cool. But I, I'll tell you, I was under the impression in Empire Strikes Back that carbon freezing had never been used on humans before. Am I remembering that wrong? Because I thought the whole idea was that Lando's like, no, this has never been tested on humans. This isn't for humans. This is for cargo of some sort or something. Like you're, you're using it. Yeah. And Darth Vader's like, no, nah, we're going to use it on humans. Um, and he's like, you could kill them, you know? And it seems like um, in this episode, it was just almost like it was for human use, you know? Right. I mean, um, I, I maybe sensed a little hesitation, but definitely not to the degree that, um, you know, was an empire. Definitely yeah. not that degree. And about the only headcanon I could come up with was that maybe not everybody knew about this use of carbon freezing, or maybe it was a new technology that, that, that this small group of people used it on humans for the specific instance. And then, that wasn't ever applied in mass, right? That wasn't ever just sort of something that it was used on for a regular thing, but it came back into play maybe an empire and Darth, maybe Darth Vader just kind of knows that like, Hey, I can freeze people and they're going to be fine because I've used this before. Right. Right. So, but that, that is interesting that we get Darth Vader. This, I mean, this is right. This is the young version of Darth Vader. So Darth Vader in empire, when he is going to carbon freeze Han, has no reason to be concerned about it because he's been carbon frozen himself and was yeah. fine. Now the thing about Han that made his different and made his unfreezing so uncomfortable comparatively. Now they were obviously pretty uncomfortable themselves in this episode, but, but Han, I think, wasn't he carbon? I meant to look it up before we talked, but I think Han was carbon frozen for like a year or something. Wasn't he? It was a while. And I'm I feel like it was like a really, really long period of time so that when he got unfrozen and couldn't see and it took him a while to get back compared to what we saw there, it was like, yeah, but that's because his body was just frozen there for like a year versus these others who were only in there for a, a really short amount of time. I am so glad you brought that up because that actually, that makes me like this a little bit more because that was the only thing about that aspect of this arc that really bugged me because I'm just going back to empire and how Han's blind. He's like on the ground. He can't move. He's base. He's basically getting out of vegetative state at this point. Sure. And then in the arc, they're just like, Oh, waking up. Like they're just waking up from a nap or something. And I was like, no, no, that's not at all. But I forgot the time. Yeah, that could, that they could were in it the for a few there. hours versus Han, who is in it for like months at least. You know, so anyway, thought that was interesting, and and it makes you it makes you think that if you were carbon frozen, you couldn't stay like that forever. Like I think eventually you'd just die, hmm. because with Han being in the state that he was when he got unfrozen, if you were if he was in there for too much longer, you can't imagine what state he would have been in when he came out. You know, right. Anyway, that's interesting. Um, so, so other than just being a little bit bothered by what seemed to be some inconsistency in the way the carbon freezing was portrayed in in Empire, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, the other place we see carbon freezing used is the Mandalorian, right? In the Star Wars universe, there may be others that we don't know about, but mm. the Mandalorian uh, uses carbon freezing on his folks that he's bringing back 
as, as bounties. And honestly, that was never my favorite either because it, it still seemed like, like, oh, okay, carbon tracing is now just something that people just use on humans. Like, has this just become a normal thing? Yeah. Um, and maybe it has. Maybe, I guess it, I guess it has by that point. But the thing I, I thought was interesting about Empire with the carbon freezing was that it was like, wait a minute, this is not for humans. And then it seems like every other use of carbon freezing that we ever see in the SARS universe is just to freeze humans the exact yeah, same just way. Just frozen. <laughs> Both before and after. And it's like, okay, kind of cheapens Empire's use of it a little bit for me. But but the coolness of seeing carbon freezing used in the way that it was used, I yes. think outweighs the inconsistencies. <laughs> All right, so here's another one. Um, the ships in that third episode that were sent in to rescue, um, you know, by the jet flown by the Jedi and everybody, they looked like X-wings with an extra wing in the middle. Did you see that? They were like six-wing ships. I don't know. Ships that were, other than that third wing in the middle, looked to me a whole lot like X-wings. Now, we don't see X-wings until the original trilogy. X-wings, I don't think, are ever a part of the Clone War stuff, right? Right. And there are also some ships that looked to me a lot like A-Wings. Now, I think we've yes. seen other A-Wing-like ships. You know, the ships that, that um, you know, that, that warp through the, they have to attach to the ring and they go into light speed through the ring. Those are sort of A-Wing-like a little bit too. But it seemed mm -hmm. like in this episode, there were ships that looked a whole lot more like A-Wings than even those. And so I did think it was was really neat to see maybe a sort of a progression in, in what would you call it aviation technology or something <laughs> just the types of ships that are being used um starting to approach some of the types of ships that we eventually see used in the original trilogy so yeah i definitely that's like that and that's all i can think of right now um what so i want to there as was far one as thing. the the stuff from the the movies that that appeared here go ahead um what's the deal with um space lanes is that talked yeah. about in the movies or is this just like a like a plot device for this arc i mean again not it's maybe not, not just, just this arc, this it's, arc it's like a lot of it a lot of it in the clone wars and i don't know if we ever see it in the movies or not maybe in sort of in solo maybe a little bit but i don't know i'm not sure i, I guess when you're going through hyperspace and jumping jumping huge distances across the galaxy you need to no, even that doesn't really make sense. So honestly, I don't know. I don't know, Drew. Like, is it like this maybe just a plot device? Okay. Yeah, it's like you can only travel through space in certain ways through certain areas. Like maybe maybe it's like where where space time is bent or something, so that you can travel long distances without having to, you know, take eons to do it or something like that. That's kind of what I yeah. interpreted have have interpreted it as like to get from point A to point B under normal circumstances would take a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. But if you use this space lane um, and fly in this certain way or whatever, then, then you can get there in a much shorter amount of time. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a good way to think about it or not, but that's just sort of how I've thought, um, how I've thought about it. Okay. So far, so. I was like, is this a wormhole type of situation? I wasn't really sure, but yeah, sure. And that's 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 the only way I would really know to interpret it as sort of wormhole-like. The other only thing that I just couldn't really... And this, honestly, this is this is petty, and I say that up front. But for me, it I couldn't figure out why. It seems so ridiculous 
to have their extraction point in the middle of a lava lake. I was like, <laughs> why of there. all places yeah. do we have to do this here? <laughs> yeah, sure. sure. That's true. But it was cool at the very end when um, the warden like bit the dust. Um, Did he die? I couldn't remember if he died or not. Oh, yeah. Lightsaber to the chest. So Okay. Okay. I forget who did it. I, Ahsoka ran again one. I feel like maybe Fives shot him down. Wasn't he flying in a ship? I think Fives took his ship down. Yes. And then there was a fight. Yeah. For some reason, that part of the, that part of the arc is a little bit blurry to me. Oh, no. But it, I think it was Anakin. Or um, it was Anakin that did it because he was holding Ahsoka. And he's like, if I can't have the information, no one that's can. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Fives and Echo are the, I think the only two left of the arc troopers arc, or at least were the only two left. And now I guess we've just got, um, just got fives. Fives yeah. is the only one. I don't know. I don't know where we'll see fives or if we'll see fives die or for fives will maybe play a significant role or what, but I just found it interesting that they focused a lot of attention on these in, in some previous episodes, this group, and then they've just been kind of gradually killing them off. I don't, I don't know what to make of it really, but. Kind of sad to see Echo go and to see Fives be a little bit upset about it. Yeah. Um, realizing he's the only one left from the, that troop that he was close to that he went through training with. Uh, you know, I think that's part of what they're trying to do here, though. That's part of the emotion of Star Wars is you get connected to characters yes. and you see the tragedy befall them. And they don't want to do it to any of their main characters, of course, you sure. know, because A, they, they have to actually have cannon for some of them later on. So you can't right. just kill them off now, but I mean, Anakin's not going to die. Right. But these are characters that they have gone through many episodes and they have built a relationship with them, with our other characters and with us through seeing them right. grow. And so those are, uh, you know, essentially, and, and this is not a pun to what we've talked about before, but they are a tool in the sense to where they can say, okay, you know, there's, there's the high notes and there's the low notes and we're going to take one of the characters that you like and kill them. That's going to be, you know, a low note, but that's the star Wars franchise. That's sure. highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think it's interesting. I like that we, we see them, but it was almost hard to notice them. I'm still having a hard time distinguishing clones from other clones. Yeah. And this this art trooper troop, I think, could be really meaningful if they were more distinct. But because they're all just clones of each other with basically the same armor, um, I recognize their names. That's the only reason. That's the only reason I noticed they were there because they just act like any other clones. No one at the at the end of the day. So I don't know if they fully succeeded in making me attached to those characters. Um, in fact, I, I think if I weren't doing this podcast, I, I barely would have noticed. Yeah, because having talked about them and having actually reflected on these people and having to have remembered their names has, has brought them to some significance in my mind. Whereas I feel like, I just feel like I barely would have noticed if noticed at all, had it not been for our discussions mm-hmm. uh, and reflections on the episodes. So, so I don't know, but, it, but it was sad to see echo go. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually, it's gotten me curious as to, why fives is the only only one left you know it's funny i i always felt like fives was the one who had the least significance because you have like heavy who carries the heavy weapons right and you have like echo who repeats everything that's said and i don't remember their all names but it seems like all their other nicknames had 
some characteristic that they were associated with. Fives is literally fives just because he has a bunch of fives in the number they assigned to him. Yeah. <laughs> like his, uh, his label or whatever from the, uh, from the Camino creation facility is like five, 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 five. <laughs> so it's like, so he's fives, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the least interesting of all of them probably, but he's the only one left. And, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with fives. Yeah. I think they'll do something with them for sure. Yeah. Or maybe they'll just kill them off in another episode and be like, well, there goes fives. We're sad about that. And, you know, I halfway expect that. Well, well, I, I mean, that's what I mean. Like they'll do something. They'll, they'll have them in oh, the story. They'll kill like, them off. We'll one. see them again. Yeah. We'll see them again. Yeah. I would love something to come of his character though, for him to have some revelation that connects us to the clones and brings us back into the, the questioning of, of whether or not the Jedi should be doing what they're doing. Because, um, because in the same way that the clones are just a plot device, uh, you know, like in this episode, you had all your named clones, which have some significance, but then you have your Jedi and then you have a bunch of unnamed clones who we feel zero attachment to that they can just kill off willy nilly for whatever reason. You know, they're yeah. scaling the wall and they have one of them fall and blow up. Um, they're fighting some droids and then the electric wall comes in and kills them. They're, uh, they set off an alarm and the door shut and it chops one of them, one of them in half. And it's just these nameless droids that end up dying. Um, and nobody seems to care. <laughs> nobody seems yeah. to even hardly notice, you know? Um, and, uh, and so it's like, we've got fives now and we've got these other named ones that we've had some actual attention given to, um, uh, in, in part in the context, I think of, of, what happened early on in the series where we were kind of questioning whether or not the clones should be used in the way that they're used. It feels like we're getting more into the thick of it, a lot more focus on Anakin and Ahsoka and a lot more focus on the actual plot of the clone war. Um, and we're getting away a little bit from the, the clone, the clone narrative and, and whether or not the, the use of clones is, is justified. So hope we get back to it. And I kind of hope fives is the means by which, we do eventually. I thought of one other reference to the movies. It's when Master PL dies. You remember what they do with his body? Uh, put it in the lava? Yeah, they burn it. And like they take the time to do it. It's like, hey, you know, we don't have, we don't necessarily have time for this, but we're going to do it. We're going to burn this body. Mm -hmm. And I wonder because they, I don't, I don't guess they do it with all the clones and everything that die, they, that die, but for some reason they did it with him being a Jedi. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you know of any significance in burning a Jedi's body or not burning a force, burning a force wielder's body. If that's just sort of a tradition or if there is some other significance to it, but I just didn't notice that. Um, I always think of that Darth Vader scene yeah. know, where they're burning his body after he dies. And Are there any other ones like that? I, I couldn't out the top of my head. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question, but it seemed like that was that, that they felt like they needed to take the time to burn his body. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why. And I don't think we've seen it before with any of the other clones. I'm not sorry. Clones, yeah, well, you, um, the yeah, other no, Jedi, Jedi in the clone wars, you know, maybe not, maybe not. I guess I've just thought about Darth Vader and thought about how they made a big deal out of it and kind of thought, well, maybe that's what you're, what you're supposed to do with a Jedi um, when he dies. So I don't know. Maybe there's nothing to it. 
I just had an all around fun time watching these episodes. I thought they were, I thought they were great. Um, I don't feel like there was any major revelation. I guess we had the death of echo. It's kind of significant. We have the introduction of Tarkin into the series, which is pretty cool. Um, but really just some, some cool scenes, a cool, you know, jailbreak episode. I like the concept of the Citadel that this thing's mm-hmm. been specifically designed to keep in Jedi and, and, uh, and I'm ready to rank it. Are you? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I'm giving it a seven. I think I could go eight, but, um, you know, it's, it's almost an eight. It's almost an eight, but seven is a really good rating for me. Um, if, if I'm six or above, it means I liked it. Um, and the seven's a, seven's a, seven's a good rating. Um, seeing Tarkin's really cool. Uh, and, and I enjoyed it. I just all around enjoyed it and had a great time watching it. There weren't, weren't a lot, a whole lot of flaws, but there was also nothing that just blew me away. Um, just, just enjoyed it, but didn't, didn't have anything that shocked me or got me super pumped. Uh, the introduction of Tarkin got close, but didn't quite make it for me. So, so seven, seven out of 10. Well, you know, it's funny. I actually came into this thinking I was going to give it an eight. Um, but after talking about it, I was like, well, it's actually closer to a seven. So, yeah, we did settle on the same thing there. It yeah, was seven's it was, a good rating for you, too, though, right? I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if I enjoy it, you know, that's that's the main thing for me. I like the connections, sure. like I mentioned, uh, to the to the Star Wars movies, the carbon freezing, like we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, Tarkin, seeing Anakin grow. There was a few things that were just, um, I mean, like, like we discussed that were odd space lanes to me. That's still just, it's sort of cheap in my mind. It's like, yeah, it is cheap. You know, I agree. So, but I really, I enjoyed it. The, the fight scenes were good. The battle I don't think we really talked about it, but the, you know, the battles that they had were, were enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. fun Nothing time. Mind blowing, but Christopher Walken yeah. warden. I, it was, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. fun. Yeah. That's all right. Cool. I didn't, I honestly didn't love the Russian Jedi. Um, he's not my favorite. He was just okay. I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was glad he died, but it was, I was unfazed by it because I wasn't like, Oh, what a cool character. I would like to see more of him. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. That was a good, good use of him. And it's, I'm glad you didn't put anybody more interesting in the role of the person who was going to die this episode Yeah, (laughs) or this arc, the same arc he was introduced because he was just, just serviceable, um, in his role. I thought, you know, I just thought of it to you saying that, but I wonder if at the end he suspected anything of Tarkin, and that's why he said only give this to the Jedi Council. Because clearly, mm, yeah. he said the Jedi Peel himself said that he gave half the code to Tarkin. That's right. Yeah. So it was his decision to give to Tarkin in the first place. And so I wonder if at some point through these events, he was just viewing it and thought something's not, I mean, I don't know. Something's not right. right. I'm giving this to you right. and you only give this to the Jedi council. And didn't Tarkin say that he was instructed to only give it to the Senator? Yes. But by who? It would have had to have been PL. If he's or it's a lie. It yeah. A lie. Yeah. But if he was told that, I would assume that it'd be from, from PL, Master PL, right? Because he was the one responsible for the code, I assume. So. Yeah. Um, 
it could be Master PL. Maybe he doesn't suspect anything, but just doesn't want wants to force the Jedi Council's hand in cooperating with uh, the senator. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, rather than having the Jedi Council act on their own volition, maybe he's got an issue with that and wants wants everybody to cooperate and and yeah. make uh, make thoughtful decisions across the board that benefit everybody, rather than just benefiting the Jedi or just benefiting the the uh, the Republic. Maybe he leans a little more towards Tarkin's viewpoint, like Anakin sure. sort of does. Who, who knows? So. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is Russian after all. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means he is Russian. He does what he wants to. <laughs> you respect the Mother Russia. <laughs> all right. That's all I got, Drew. Oh, next week. Um, oh, any emails? Two, oh, yeah, we don't. I just ch- I checked it earlier today. We didn't have anything. No emails. If you want to email us, you can send us an email to Star Wars Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, of course, we always love um, the iTunes reviews when we get those. We only have one still. Um, we got three rankings and one review. I checked that earlier today as well. So, unless something's come in in the past few hours, that's all we've got right now. But I uh, would appreciate any any communication that, that y'all want to give us one way or the other and definitely feedback is his reviews um, is, uh, is super exciting, but nothing to report there uh, unless it's in my spam folder. And I did check my spam folder as well this week. So I don't, I don't see anything going there. Um, but um, who knows? Who knows? Nothing I've noticed so far. Anyway, next week, we have two episodes to watch. Now we have we have made a decision to limit the number of episodes that we're going to watch each week to up to four. Um, and we made one exception since we started doing that. We had a five episode arc. But the longest arc going forward is just four episodes. So we've got a four episode cap. Well, this week we have a two episode arc that's followed by a three episode arc. So this is going to be a bit of a light week, just two episodes to watch. And let me pull those up. Maybe that's good since John is so caught up in his moving stuff. Might might make it easier on him. Yeah. That we're doing that anyway. Um okay. All right, this is called Hunted, episodes 321 and 322, Padawan Lost, and Wookie Hunt. Oh. So who knows? Could be interesting. Could be interesting. We'll just have to see how it goes. I'm up to watch I'm looking it. down through. Everything is chronological, it looks like, until we get to the beginning of season five. Um, season five skips the first episode, and that first episode doesn't come into play until between episodes 13 and 14, which is really strange to me because we've gone mostly chronological um, from this point forward. So I don't know. I guess at some point we should probably have a discussion and just decide, do we want to keep going chronological or do we want to... Um, do we want to just watch the episodes in, in order going forward? You know, we probably want to keep going on chronological, keep things organized by arc and not potentially mess things up. But, um, you know, I just find it weird that there's, it's almost all in order from this point forward, with just like a few little exceptions. And part of me wonders if those may be intentional and if things are intentionally not shown in the, in the correct oh, order, yeah. then I don't like to watch them in the correct order. You know? Um, Oh, we'll see. We can see how we'll season four ends. There. 
Yeah, sure. Because we are definitely, definitely chronological through the end of season four. And it's not until the beginning of season five that, that we get another one that's out of whack there. Just two episodes for next week. And it's the hunted arc. Thanks for listening. You respect the Mother Russia. And with that statement right there, we just lost whatever listener we had.